The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. This is News Talk. Welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan, on the show this morning. We're in the presence of aristocracy as we meet the Countess of Carnarvon, the real-life Chatelaine of Downton Abbey. We hear about a national competition looking for creative suggestions on how to solve the nation's housing crisis. Our 48-hour DIY project looks at how to make your home happier and healthier using Feng Shui. We have some inspiration if you're looking to give your garden shed a makeover. And do you have an Uller or a Ninja Foodie Max? Well, Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan has her ultimate gadget guide for the home. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here at The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen back, listen live to the show and our podcasts, which are all up on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, I know this morning we're all still very, very concerned about the whole situation in Ukraine and especially where Putin is going with all of this. It's not the kind of topic we discuss here on The Home Show. You can find it on every single show across News Talk this weekend. But of course, international events link back to every household in a very particular way, and that is energy prices. I've just got over the shock of getting my first electricity bill of the year. I'm bracing myself for the gas, which is due in. And it's not the only reason, of course, you know, there's inflation, Brexit and all of the other stuff. But I'm wondering now whether the the free money we're about to get from government off those bills will have any meaningful effect in, in households at the moment. And then we have the launch of a national retrofit project in the middle of it all. And I'm just wondering, is the whole thing a little bit tone deaf? We've carbon taxes due to be applied now at the same time, even with all of the new grants and the government pumping in billions into it. So... Tell me, what, do you think the government has got this right? Are, are they doing things in the right way with the proper use of our money and not, let's not forget it, borrowed money? Is it the environment versus the economy? I know it's not mutually exclusive, uh, but I'd love to hear your views on what you think could and should be done over the whole area of energy and climate change and all of that. Could it be nudged in a different direction or is it time to push families to do more with less? Do let me know, 53106. I'd be very interested in hearing your views. But for now, you are very welcome along to the show. Yes, I think everyone listening will immediately recognise that theme tune, which, of course, is from Downton Abbey. So I'm delighted that a new book is being published called Seasons at High Clear Gardening and Cooking at the Real Downton Abbey. And I'm very pleased to be joined this morning by its author and resident and curator and chatelaine of the real life Downton Abbey, Lady Carnarvon, Countess of High Clear Castle. Good morning and welcome along to The Home Show. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much for asking me onto your show. Now, first of all, we don't get too many countesses on the home show here. So <laughs> how, how ought you be addressed? Well, normally it's it's just Lady Carnarvon. I think we've gone back in time following Downton Abbey, actually, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, look, I'll get to the new book a little bit later. But first, tell me uh, a little bit about Highclere, which is now, of course, so familiar to viewers. I, I have been enjoying your Instagram uh, little vignettes uh, around the different rooms. I must say, I think you could probably go for years and years and not repeat a room. Uh, so talk to me uh, about what it is like to live in such a wonderful place. Oh, well, thank you. It, you know, it's always a privilege and I never, I always find it's magical when you go through the gates here and you begin to sweep down the drive through the landscape. 
and then you know you catch sight of the castle tower and you're traveling between ancient trees and it's incredibly peaceful it feels like a world apart before turning up the main drive and again it's it's marked by a couple of very ancient oaks and old cedars so i think first of all for me it's about the nature and the setting and the sense of of place that it gives you and and over the last couple of years you know i think that's been such an important um, touchstone for all of us in all of our lives, wherever we live. Now, you are curator of, what, 800 years of history. Um, 1,200, wow. Wow. You understand? Do you know, in seasons, (laughs) what I wanted to do was kind of share the fact that people have lived here and grown food here and cooked here for all those years because we are at a sort of turning point in how we are curating looking after the world as a whole so on a smaller scale just focus on how we've done it here in the past we've got an iron age um, hill fort in the middle of the estate so that's 1500 bc and at the foot of that are some Bronze Age tumuli. So again, I was trying to share stories just to be a little bit provoking. And it was a way of sharing the photographs and the different mm. seasons as well. So, so there's a lot of history for all of us. And I think there's some very old history in Ireland as well. So, you know, we are we are two lands divided by some water. And, and I hope um, we will be able to sail more smoothly together in the future. But we do share a lot in common. Indeed. Now, you're very much a hands-on caretaker at High Clear. You get mucky in the garden. Uh, and and I suppose possibly uh, the, the most modern countess that, that it has ever had. What does a normal day in the life uh, of High Clear look like for you? It normally begins with an effort to make some to do take some exercise first thing in the morning. <laughs> I'm sure, like many other people, and if not that, there's at least taking the dogs for a walk. You have a lot of dogs. I do. I have. Well, I have seven dogs. Right. And, okay. and I think my husband would definitely say too many. But again, they they are they just. Every day for a Spaniel is another really exciting day. And every day for a Labrador is another bin to expect to inspect to see what food they can find. And they just make you get out and they give you some structure. And at the beginning and at the end of the day, you know, it just takes me out under the stars at the end of the day, which is a favorite time to look up, to look back. It's it's a very peaceful time. So the, the beginning and end of the day are, are really around the dogs. And then in the middle, it's this sort of chaotic mixture of which seems chaotic at the moment of, of meetings or Zooms or, um, you know, marketing ideas. And I'm trying to write another book. So I write a blog every Monday. Um, there's there's just a whole mass of different schedules to get through on each day in each day. They're often wrapped around coffee morning with a meeting or lunch with salads in a meeting so I guess it's also a little bit about food there's also the farm so some days I might try and go and see the pigs with Simon to see where we're going with that particular project because we're we've kind of looking after an endangered pig species there was only 100 sows left in the world about five years ago so it's again there's to to structure the day around a series of meetings, depending what the week looks like mm. ahead. 
but it is busy and there's also usually something that's fallen down to be honest or blown <laughs> over okay <laughs> now of course a lot of these very great houses and um, that that are very ancient are very expensive and and I know that um Britain ha- has a lot in terms of death duties and upkeep costs in in these particular houses so it's probably more important than ever uh, these days to monetize it uh, and you've talked there about farms and and the working nature of Highclere uh, but I suppose you you are also open to the public for some of the year I presume and and is that kind of upstairs downstairs relationship that we see on Downton Abbey is that still relevant today? I think it's more about Team Highclere. I think today we're all walking together and we're all in the trenches together, I would suggest at the moment, trying to make our way forward as we exit the pandemic. And for us, Brexit, which has also been hugely challenging in a very negative way. So there are many challenges facing us as a business, as any other business. But at the heart of it, it's having the community, the family, the team, and the word family in sense of the larger family of people who work Mm. here with us. Because Highclere is, I think, in some ways a way of life. And it's a work about sustaining the heritage and the community and the way of life here. And to do that, yes, we need to have some money coming in. And that's where we are, like any many other historic houses, open to the public. And um, we're open for tours throughout the year. We had a tour yesterday. We've got one on Friday, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, for example, because I realised that brown envelopes arrived with bills in them every day of the year. <laughs> so you can't just be open in the summer. It really doesn't work. <laughs> now, I would venture that Highclere um, and, and indeed the Earl is, is is lucky to have you on board because in your former life, uh, you were an auditor with, with Coopers and Lybrunt, the, the accountancy firm. So So you must bring some of that with you when it comes to balancing the books there. Well, you are kind of, I think my husband actually is brilliant at finance and and cash flow, so he does more of that. Having said that, um, it was a very useful training because it's such a discipline, you know, and I, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed trying to understand other businesses and I was thoroughly bad, I have to say, at passing exams. I found them pretty tough, although I got through. And my husband just said I liked taking exams, which I truly did not. So it was, it well, was a bit of a mixture. But yeah. Well, you've certainly applied a, a dedication to to uh, books because I know that you have uh, you have written quite a number at this stage. I am, of course, speaking with the Countess of Carnarvon. Uh, of Highclere Castle on the home show on News Talk this morning. Uh, and tell me, uh, Lady Carnarvon, now a little bit about your association with uh, Downton. How did that come about, by the way? Because, you know, I I don't know, do you know Julian Fellows, the writer of it? And, and how did you get involved in that? Well, it's actually for all the best reasons. Good food, good wine, good conversation and much laughter. It's what we all used to be used to and are trying to find our way back to. Julie and Emma Fellows were good friends of ours. And when my parents-in-law died, um, when my father-in-law first of all died, and then it became our role to look after the castle, they hadn't actually lived in the castle. They'd opened it to the public and lived in another house. So I thought I'm not going to preserve a museum, but a home, because that matters to me. I'm one of many six girls and our parents died young. And what helped us get through life was spaghetti bolognese and a glass of red wine in the evening as we worked (laughs) our way through, you know, finding our way through deeply grievous times. So 
that sense of home and food coming together is at the heart of, I think, everything I do, whether it's growing vegetables to cooking to bringing people together from different walks of life and different countries. So with that, one of the people I asked was um, Julian Emma. So Julian actually says in the papers and the press that he wrote Downton, Downton Abbey with Highcliffe Castle in mind, although little did we all think that it would become the phenomenon it has. Indeed. So of course, when the when the fee went, when the location person scout was looking around, they of course came to see Highclere, um, and we showed them around and everything else. And then they couldn't believe that, of course, they found the right place. They went to another four hundred houses, and I wasn't sure that it was going to land with us at all. And wow. um, and in the end, of course, it did. But nor did I know. <laughs> how much it would matter so so in a sense sometimes not having a crystal ball perhaps makes you more relaxed and we then went from there and you know firstly um for the first two or three years and then it has become i think watched by something like 400 million people around the world and you know the first film was the most successful focus features film ever they tell me and the second one coming out but so it's, it's an amazing journey, and we sadly don't benefit from any of the royalties or success. Oh, dear. oh what a pity. So, <laughs> I know. I, I tried to argue it. The heritage is what you're, you know, filming for your own financial purposes. What about a little bit of help? But, but having said that, you know, I've got up and written and tried to create, um, you know, different things for for Highclere, such as books or mm. little documentaries to bring some money back to us but we're very lucky anyway to have it as a marketing platform and I'm very grateful and we do indeed welcome many wonderful visitors from Ireland so that's happy making wonderful and um listen the filming has finished now on the on the movie it's coming out actually in April um so are you pleased to have the place back to yourself or is it just the greatest well, fun when you've I'd Lady Mary I'd... walking around and <laughs> and all of the actors well, it's, it's remember we have otherwise visitors walking around, so it's the same sort of number. But we, the visitors bring less kit. I, 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 <laughs> I would imagine the amount of kit and you know and great big white. I mean, we basically the film crew turn us into a huge white van lorry car park. Yes. I mean, that's the one thing you'd think, and out of that they draw their own magic. But that's the outside is just this extraordinary you know ropes of black cables and people running around always dressed in black jeans and black bobber jackets mm, and mm. thick boots and and not very glamorous <laughs> we just not, see this finished yet, product and yet it takes us to another world but it's wonderful because it's another world and yet it's also this world so and i think i i hope i'm I try to always remember on Instagram, which I do for Highclere Castle and other social media, that Highclere has been a, a reassuring, comforting touchstone mm. for, for them as well as me. So what kind of things can people expect in Seasons at Highclere uh, when it is published, Lady Carnarvon? Well, I divide into seasons because I think it's where we can. It's quite good to cook within the seasons. And, you know, we, you and I, we both have the same climate and the same ability to grow vegetables or grains. And within that, I've tried to go and look at what seasonally we can cook or grow or eat lots of vegetables. I think mm. we're all being 
you know, conscious that as much as possible, we can have a vegetable curry, not necessarily with meat, but equally well, there's mackerel in the seas around our islands. Mm. And then I've got some vegetable beds. So it's, you know, what we grow and what we plant or how we've made the wildflower meadow. This is how you do it. So it's a kind of... Um, what to do book as well. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, Seasons at High Clear is published now. It is available in bookshops and the new series of Downton Abbey is due to land on the 29th of April and I can't wait for one. Uh, Fiona Lady Carnarvon, Countess of High Clear, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Home Show. You are so kind to invite me. Thank you very much. Now, one of the biggest... Uh, Slightly related, I suppose, if not the biggest challenges facing people in Ireland today is, of course, housing and has been, folks, I don't know for how long now. Well, a new competition has been launched that is seeking ambitious solutions to help unlock housing issues in Ireland. Well, to tell me more about this initiative is Natalie Wadick, Director of the Irish Architecture Foundation. Good morning, Natalie. Welcome to studio. Hi, Sinead. I'm delighted to be here. So talk to me about Housing Unlocked. What is it and what are you proposing to do with it? Yeah, we teamed up with the housing agency to do something about the current situation, Mm. which is continually always, always, always going around in circles. And we needed to come up with some sort of mechanism that could include creative ideas, innovative ideas to unlock the situation. And for me, just speaking personally from the Irish Architecture Foundation's perspective, like we do an annual festival called Open House. And all the time, housing and actually how to impact and affect change kept keeps coming back to mm, me in mm. all the debates and discussions we have with communities, groups, with architects, etc. and stuff like that. And there is this sense of, you know, we've got to do something, we've got to try something. It is, it's such an emotive issue and I can understand that. It is such a massive issue. Like, it's kind of like mind-boggling what impact something like the, some organisation like the IFF could have. Okay, so you're tr- you're trying to be more creative with those suggestions and hope that people will will um, kind of feed into that. But how is that different from what developers do? I mean, they look at a space and they say, "Here's how I imagine it could be in the future," and they put in a plan for it and a planning permission. What different, uh, you know, aspects to that are you expecting with this competition? So we're going to look at it in a holistic perspective we're going to look at the whole system and we're asking people to look at it to look at the regulations or to look at frameworks that exist there Mm. and to go okay if this was tweaked if this was unlocked if something was improved here this is what the impact would look like developers don't necessarily do that they work within the system we're actually going okay there's something there is a blockage there is mm. something here that needs to be unlocked, released, liberated. Whereas okay, so you, you could, could have, have artists or, you know, kind of create, not just architects, not and, just architects. and builders, but, but people actually who come with this from a different viewpoint. People Are, from communities or social um, yeah. perspectives or all of these things because it is a holistic thing. It is not just, it's not, and I think that's probably where this is different from other attempts to solve the problem. If we get one idea Mm. that is Mm. something that is sort of a a penny drop for somebody, Mm. fantastic. So basically what we're saying to these to teams, send, submit an idea to us, right? Um, Submit an idea to us um, through our, the website, the Housing Unlocked mm-hmm. website, those ideas will be assessed. We're going to, a jury is going to select eight 
Um, and it's not saying that all the other ideas aren't valid. We're going to actually include all of the ideas in the in the publication. So it becomes an anthology of ideas. Yeah. But the eight will be given further funding to turn that idea into something that we can exhibit in September. Okay, so they get to draw their model or create or it, their I'm hoping 3D. It, I'm hoping it'll go beyond even models. You know what I mean? I'm hoping yeah. it'll... I don't know. We'll see. So they'll get to... They'll get, I'll get to work, or the IF will get to work with the eight teams over the summer in sort of um, working with them on developing their idea into mm. a three-dimensional evocation of okay. that idea. And the prize? They get seven and a half grand each to work it up to okay. an idea, or the idea up to an exhibition. But crucially, it's kind of saying, here's the idea, this is the best solution. And the exhibition is saying, this is what it would, this is what the impact would be if this was implemented. Okay, and so that's you, crucial to it, actually. Completely. And I think in a science way, that's the, the way the SFI do it, Science Foundation, they kind of say, that's well, right. come to us with your idea, but we need also the application. We yeah, need to know yeah. how this would impact or what this yeah. would do. So that sounds like a very interesting thing. Where can people find out more about that now, uh, Ashley? It's housingunlocked.ie you could stick that into the the search bar or through the Irish Architecture Foundation website or through the Housing Agency um, website so that's where you find out about it so I mean, it'd be great to come back here with the eight ideas. It'd be fantastic. All summer. right. Well, we'll we'll definitely okay. book that in the diary. Um, and thank you so much, uh, Natalie Wadick, for coming in and talking to us all about that. That's the Irish Architecture Foundation and Housing Unlocked is the name of the website. Now, when people hear the words feng shui, they automatically maybe think of decluttering and Marie Kondo. Well, it is so much more than that. My next guest says that she can help make your home happier and healthier using this method. Nina Katie, feng shui interior designer. Good morning. Welcome along to The Home Show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Sinead. Now, you're you're what's termed an authentic feng shui designer. Can you explain to us what that means? Yes, of course. Uh, well, I do authentic feng shui, which is quite different to, we'll say, the westernized version of feng shui. So in other words, it doesn't just rely on psychology or on intuition or on pretty colors. Um, this is far, it goes far deeper than that. It's all about creating a, a healthier home because a healthier home is a happier home. And naturally, that means that we'll have um, you know, greater health, better relationships and for that matter, better finances, too. <laughs> what are the elements involved in feng shui? Because I know I, I don't know a lot about it, but but I do know that there there, there is this sense of of energy and and um, clean living that comes with it, and a lot of it is about even down to the placement of furniture and windows and the proximity to each other. W- would that be fair? Yes. Yeah, that's true. It's all about balance and harmony. So creating as much balance as possible with regard to the energies that flow through the home. So creating a healthier flow. And also it's it, it's really about um, creating harmony with nature. So I believe very much in including as much of nature in the home as possible, whether that's through colour or motifs or patterns uh, and texture and so on. And also the integration of the indoors and the outdoors and um, the inclusion of a lot more daylight um, and if possible, direct sunlight, because, of course, there's a difference between the two. Indeed. And, uh, you know, certainly at this time of the year when things are a little dark and dreary and people are trying to maybe make yes. changes in their home. Now, you've come along uh, with some design tips, some really practical stuff that people can do to make their home healthier and happier, as you suggest. So let's go through them. Um, I mean, the Great. first one has to be, you know, this whole principle of of decluttering and making things with cleaner lines. Is that a key principle of feng shui? 
Well, I think that people sort of think, oh, my gosh, I have to have this, um, you know, empty minimalist home and I have to be so organized. But actually, it's it's not just about that. It's really the fact that we're overstuffing our homes. We're filling our homes to the brim and, uh, you know, we're, we're junking up our lives. And it's more to do with that and the fact that if we um, do that, we're not going to have those lovely clear work surfaces in which to, you know, get on with our um, tasks. The fact that we can't think straight and make decisions more easily um, and obviously get things done. And the more clear work surfaces in the home, the better, because that will make you feel like you've achieved something. It's not just about doing. It's also about a sense of achievement. Now, along with making it cleaner, of course, you mentioned there about making it greener and and you're an advocate yes. of improving the home's natural. Is, is the biome that the, the atmosphere you're yes. creating? Yes. So in other words, the home is like the mansion of the soul. It's the outer skin, um, the second self, if you like. And it even has its own personality and spirit. And at the end of the day, the natural biome that belongs and exists in our bodies actually belongs in the home as well. So we have to look after that and make sure that, for instance, the air quality is good, that there's plenty of ventilation, that the humidity levels are balanced so that there's no development of mould and damp. Um, we have to bear in mind that an awful lot of goods that belong to the modern day era from furnishings to everything else that we bring into our homes. Unfortunately, there's a price that we pay for that. They bring a lot of chemicals, particularly forever chemicals. So because of that, we have to make sure that the ventilation in the home is good and that we don't allow the toxins and the chemical overload to build up too much. Um, and some very simple things like putting down the toilet seat um, before we flush. It just make sure that biological matter doesn't get spread everywhere. Mm, mm. Now, uh, balance, you've mentioned that a few times, the whole notion of yes. serenity and being at one with, with the harmony, I suppose, inside the home. How do you achieve that? Um, balance, isn't it funny? Balance can mean so many different things, and it actually does. It just means that trying to get the yin and yang balance correct in the home is really quite key. And in order to do that, there's a very simple thing everyone can do, and that is to just get some small bowls of salt. And uh, I'm talking about plain uh, white table salt. You just fill the, the small bowls with that plain white uh, table salt and put one down in every corner of the home. And that will actually balance the yin and yang energy in the home. And it will do an awful lot for cleansing the home. I know we talked about cleaning and a cleaner home, but this is also about cleansing um, the environment that we live in. So that will really help. And if you leave those in place and just throw them away every, throw the contents away every month, that will actually suffice. Now, it sounds odd to do that, but actually the home needs that. It needs to have that balance. So it's not just about um, ensuring that we have the right layouts and the right aesthetic and the right color schemes and so on. It's also about the energies within the home and that very close connection that we have with our homes. We're very emotionally connected to our homes, psychologically, physically, and even biologically connected to our homes. Now, Nina, if people would like to find out more about what you do and the whole area of Feng Shui, uh, where can they go? Um, they can contact me. Uh, my website is actually ninakatie.ie. So they can contact me through that. My phone number is there. My email address is there. Actually, I've just done an article for the Munster Interiors magazine on decluttering. It's a much shortened version, but it will be coming out in mid-March. And I'm doing workshops on a regular basis and I teach interior design as well for Wonderful. the ETB. OK, and that's Nina Katie, N-I-N-A-K-A-T-I uh, dot I-E. And it, actually, it's a lovely website to go and look at anyway. So, uh, Nina, thank you so much thank for you. joining us this morning on The Home Show. Very much appreciate it.
that was sitting up in my room by Brandy and it is our introduction to Jennifer Sheehan our Home of the Year winner and a friend of the home show you're very welcome back to studio having a little bop there thanks for having me <laughs> yeah, I'm having a fun time today <laughs> now and the reason we're playing that is because um, and, and it's down to the prosaic topic of garden sheds if your garden shed is anything like mine and I am certain it is not <laughs> I don't have one where would I put a garden shed <laughs> my two by two garden in your stylish two by two garden well I think a lot of listeners out there will have a will have a similar experience to mine which is you know uh, bits of furniture in a, sh- a shading from the from the wintry weather and uh, tools rusty and tools a few spiders and all of that but actually you're going to change all of that for us today you could so do so much more a project to do with the garden shed so uh, give us an idea of what we could be usefully doing with it now that well spring hasn't quite sprung but when it does in the next few weeks <laughs> we hope, week. <laughs> but we'll okay. be getting all that stuff out of it so sheds are a dream when you think about it if you've space I don't but you do so well done but if you've space for them they're a dream because you don't require planning permission for any freestanding structure in your garden that is less than 25 square metres so the definition of a shed can be Expanded to pretty great one square meter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which so, is available. I'm going right. to shout out for one okay. of those two. So planning, planning free zone. Right. right, so you've a whole room available to you that you can just pretty much go for it. Right, don't come back and, and blame me if your neighbours give out about that. But that is the. the and we're talking about regular places. garden sheds here, not the big showmers kind of with all no, the insulation the and the heating and all that kind. I'm of thing. talking about the showmers. <laughs> a freestanding. I looked this up right, and now you know I'm not a professional, so don't come at me. But you don't require planning permission for a freestanding structure under 25 square meters Mm. so don't build a castle but you know go fancy with your shed so if you were going to do something very sexy with your garden shed (laughs) i'm thinking a woman cave yeah or a playroom to get rid of the kids i mean to give the kids something useful to do the teenagers yeah (laughs) so i think garden sheds are brilliant because you can really go a whole different direction with your decor if you want so you know if you're somebody who likes your house a certain way your shed is an opportunity to go somewhere completely different. Put pink fluff all over the walls if you want. Like do anything in there because that's really your space. You know, you're rarely going to have guests coming through your, your garden shed. So you can go totally mad. But I think having a very separate space to your home is important, especially I, I have found I'm working from home full time and I go into my front room and then I go into my kitchen. Mm. And I, I do miss that differentiation of space between my home life and my working life. So, yeah. So there's a million things you can do that. I love that idea. Here are some that I had, right? Uh, kids playroom. Great idea because you can throw anything in there. Put a ball pit in there. Put a climbing wall. You know, that you can get those little things that you just screw into the wall and have kind of a soft landing for them. And you can let them go mad. You could put in, you know, those little mini kitchens that you can get in certain shops and they can play away. And it's not taking up space in your own home. Um, I think a really cool idea would be to have, you know, whiteboard walls or chalkboard walls and let them just draw all over it. Yeah. That would have been my dream as a child it's so to much have. Fun. I was I believed I was going to be a natural teacher. Well, look where that got me, folks. <laughs> but that idea of having a blackboard or a whiteboard there and they can go in and play school yeah. and all that kind of thing with their dolls or And whatever. that could make it a completely different space every time they go in. It could be at school one day. They could use it as, you know, their artistic endeavours the next day. They can have it as a supermarket the day after. After, you know, there's a whole room for imagination in there. So kids, brilliant. Teenagers, throw your teenagers in there. Just just 
get them out of the house, soundproof the place and mm. let them do their, mm. their thing, right? <laughs> Say no more about that. Yes, yeah, a good idea at any time, I would yeah. think. Now, cost-wise, right, I'm just going to throw out there the type of heated, you know, nicely built garden shed that we're talking about that would be on potentially concrete slabs mm. or mm. even maybe poured mm. concrete. We're looking at around 15 grand. Yeah, so, right? so, so not, not cheap. Not and cheap. Yeah, yeah. Worth bearing that in mind. Yeah. And I mean, even your commoner garden, garden shed, something, and they they come in a lovely design, even the kind of the burlap ones. It's just, um, you can get little windows and little door and you can yeah. pretty it up outside. And, you yeah. know, you're the one with the now, the loo with the disco balls. So I presume you'd go <laughs> to complete town on the shed, would you? immediately put a disco <laughs> ball in there. Well, those type of sheds. So if you, if you don't, if damp isn't a huge issue and it's something that you're not using, you know, to spend physical time in all year round, I think a bar is a great idea. So for that summer, you know, oh, the COVID lockdown project. <laughs> How many people are regretting that now? Or maybe they're using it. Maybe they're using a foot. We're all alcoholics after COVID. Let's I just embrace it. A few people who created a bar in uh, in exactly that space. And it was a phenomenal idea. Look, guys, know. let's learn our lessons. At any moment, all of the bars in the country could be shut down again. So <laughs> oh, let's don't, just don't. get ready yeah. for that scenario, okay. I'm just saying. So, but if you think about it, what you need to put in a bar, a little bar, is not much, right? Maybe a little fold-down table, a few little small shelves for your glasses, somewhere to store your, your drinks, maybe a mini fridge, and you're kind of done. What would be the first thing you would do now? I think a guest bedroom would be nice out there as well. If you, you know, because having guests over is great. Oh but just yeah, you'd be a bit careful now about all that. Make sure that that's going. I'd to like be, a laundry room. Work. That's what I would love. Ah, out of the house, no noise. Get all your drying stuff in there. I think that'd be really, Isn't really that handy. what people do? A lot of people have their laundry equipment, their tumble dryer and they're out in the shed. Yeah. And it's a great idea because it's you just genius. get it all in one place and it keeps it warm as well. All yeah. right. Well, folks, let us know what you do with your garden shed or what would you like to do with your garden shed if it was all up to you uh, and you had that option 53106. One of the other things we want to talk about because we... we <laughs> I keep coming back to the lockdown, you know, which let's hope we're all done with that now. But some people, uh, when I say some people, I mean me, made kind of very strange purchasing decisions during that whole crazy period. <laughs> what else were and we I'm doing? I'm normally quite restrained. But I mean, what could we do? We were on the internet. We were buying things and having them delivered. Uh, and probably the most useless purchase I've ever made and will ever make, but I cannot bear to part with it, was the pasta machine that I bought oh my. during lockdown it was used twice um, we came to blows with that at the end because it needs at least three people to operate as far as I can see there were only two of us in the house and uh, the pasta was um, much better quality when I just went into <laughs> Tesco's and bought it there so we thought we would talk a little bit about useful uh, and creative home gadgets uh, and you're going to take us through the different rooms in the house and what you have found yes so I am a gadget freak I would definitely be now the only reason I'm not I, the only reason I'm not hoarding gadgets at the moment is because my house is so small and there's nowhere to put them. So I have to be a bit more careful and refined in my selection these days, right? So here's the here's the good stuff I think that's really worth investing in. Everyone has gone mad over air fryers. <gasps> they have. They're everywhere. They're they everywhere. Have. Now, uh, folks, they are bulky, right? They do take up a, a good Whack of space. Countertop space. Yeah, yeah. Now, we were gifted one actually at Christmas time. I had resisted buying one. Mm. I don't think I've got fully to grips with it now. A few chips is really all okay. I've done. Okay, you're, you're limiting yourself because yeah. you can cook anything in these. Okay. Here is the tagline for air fryers if people don't know what they are. They are a brilliant alternative to deep fat frying. Mm. Idiot proof cooking. Mm. Right, here's the sales line. So what they do is they circulate... You said that looking at me, <laughs> <point>. <laughs> you idiot. 
Right. Go on, I'll take your word for it. Even you, Sinead, can cook tips on this thing. I'm kidding. Um, so they circulate hot air very efficiently and they give that very crisp kind of fried finish on foods, mm. but with only a tablespoon of oil. Yeah. So, so much healthier. healthier. Okay. Alternative. You're going to have chips. So there's a few different styles. There's basket style. There's oven with a fan. And there's also a rotisserie style. So I'm going to go through a few options from smallest to biggest. Because okay. I like that word rotisserie. We'll come back to it. Okay. So the smallest and most cost effective one I found is the salter version. I've seen them in Duns and it's about 55 euro. Okay. So that's very not, good that's value. Very good value. Okay. About four, 4.5 litres. And that would have let you put in two chicken breasts, a few veggies and you, you know, it's one of those things that you just throw something in, you close the door and then you come back. Okay. And so perfect kind of for one or perfectly. two. Perfect for one or two. Exactly. Somewhere in the middle then, we have the Ninja Air Fryer Max which sounds ninja. Incredible. Anytime I see that appended to any item, I'm immediately <laughs> thinking of those cartoon superheroes from the, my childhood. I'd like a ninja to sneak into my house and cook me dinner. That sounds pretty good. Um, I trawled and found them for about 160, 180. Right. right. So okay. not cheap. But what you are know, they doing? That's, is it just bigger or does it do something it's better? It's a bit bigger and it has a whole bunch of different functions. Okay. So it can it can cook your chips to the right temperature. I think it, there's a bit of a, a turning action going on there that keeps them very evenly coated. There is um, room to put in larger than two chicken breasts. Maybe you could get kind of a half small or chicken. Two small right, chicken. Okay. Your vegetables can go in there. Your I've seen chicken wings being done very efficiently in there. Mm. Burgers apparently taste amazing coming out of these things. Um, anything that would benefit from deep fat frying. Okay. All right. Um, so that's a mid-range. That's so mid-range. More, are they more expensive than that then? So the the this, the Mac Daddy that I found of these things is the Breville Halo Rotisserie. This is a 10 litre and it's still only coming in around 170, 180, okay. right? So right. this is, seems to be really good value. Um, and this one is the rotisserie style one. And I love a rotisserie chicken. So the concept to me of putting in a whole chicken and it coming out with that lovely crisp finish with, you know, barely a, a dab of effort on my part. And it's, it on, amazing. it's not on a spit now. Or it's in, not on a spit, okay. but it just, but you the get air gets circulated okay. so efficiently oh, in yes, there course, yeah. that it makes it... You know, it treats it, I suppose, as if as if it is. Right. Um, and it's done in much less time. See, I think people are, there are loads and loads of people out there who are evangelical about mm. their air fryer. No doubt about it. And a lot of them actually, they do come with very good recipe books. So yes. you can kind of get a handle on what you're doing. I think I probably just need to keep it out. I have it in a cupboard because I only take it out when I'm thinking of doing it. Mm. But maybe just having it there all the time and using it for different things is possibly a better so idea. I've come across a few recipes involving baking. Which I'd be fascinated ah, to hear about. Okay, and so you're, a, anyone, you're a super baker. I do love baking. Yeah, I really love baking. So I, I just, I'm wondering what type of baked good would benefit mm. donuts. I can mm. imagine, but would benefit from deep fat frying. So anyone out there who's baked in their in their air fryer, I'd love to hear about that. Good. All right. So air frying, that's brilliant. Now, yeah. um, bring us into the living room now. Okay, this is my favorite topic of all time. I am evangelical about this, as people are about their air fryers. This is projectors. I have one. I don't like having a TV. I think it takes up too much space. I think it's too much of a focal point in a living room. Mm -hmm. This is my personal opinion. And if you agree with me, great. So projects now, onto the wall or something? Yeah. Okay, so I, okay. the one I have, I, I'm not going to give out the brand because they've come quite a bit actually even since then. But the mm. one I have is a short throw projector. So you put it right up against the wall or the surface you're projecting mm. onto. So you don't have to have this whole, you know, two metres back and adjust the focal. They're, mm. they're much more advanced now. These okay. Days. So... 
they've gotten, I'd say people listening have probably seen ads for these portable ones and are they any good? They've gotten really, really good in the last year or two, right? And this year at CES, so that consumer electronics mm-hmm. show in Vegas in January, Samsung made a big splash with a new projector. It's called the Freestyle. It looks like a large can of beans. <laughs> you okay, know, those kind of so not a big, huge big can. Okay. Not huge. You'd fit it into, you know, a large handbag and very versatile. So this thing can be turned up, it can be turned down, it can be rotated, you can project onto the roof. And it just what plugs into your laptop then? You yeah, or wireless. So you wireless. Yeah. So okay. it has casting capabilities and, you know, if if you're used to Chromecast or whatever mm-hmm. Apple mirroring TV, you'll be well used to this. And I think a lot of people watch TV like this these days. Or you can plug in your TV box that has a HDMI as well. Okay, and the co- kind of cost you'll be looking at there? Now, this is about a thousand. I think that's a bit expensive. Okay, I think yeah. there's actually incredible options out there at the moment, so I'm going to go well, into a few of those. Some, I've seen telly's worth. Oh, yeah. Can cost a lot more than that, you know. And like you say, they're a permanent fixture and they're stuck in the wall all the time. Yeah, and we're like, okay. these are, you know, they're full HDMI. The sound is really good out of them now. Mm. That's one issue I have with, with my own personal one. But, um, so yeah. Good. Okay, projectors. Fine. Excellent. Okay. And then uh, let's go up to the bedroom. And the what gadget now? In I'm just, bedroom. I'm fascinated to know what gadget you're going to pick for me for okay. the bedroom. This gadget is, I have friends who are evangelical about it. It's, I'm going to come out and say it's not for me because I like a warm bedroom when I sleep hot. But if you're somebody who runs hot at nighttime and you want to be cooled down, then the Uller is for you. You okay? The Uller? The Uller. The Uller. Right. The Uller so, is <laughs> what, what fun is to say that? and it's very useful. It's, um... A pad that goes over your mattress like a hot blanket. Okay. It has a whole system of tubes going through it that are filled with a liquid. Okay. You need to now you need to have a little box that you could potentially put under your bed if you have, you know, a raised bed or an ottoman. And there'll be tubes coming into that. And I'm that looking at the, the picture of this now. It, a personalised sleep climate. A personalised ah, here. Come on. <laughs> sleep is very okay, important. What's the I difference between that and a hot blanket? A, a, it cools you, you down. for 20 quid. It cools you down. So oh, if you cool. run oh, hot, way it cools down. Oh, now it does, it goes up to a warm temperature somewhere in the 40s, right? So if you want to be kind of brought back to warmth to wake up, great. But it keeps you nice and cool. It regulates your temperature. And you can also set it to change over the course of the night. So right. if you get very cold in the middle of the night, right. you can warm it up a bit. And if you and your partner have different heat temperature and requirements, all, yes. then this is perfect. Wonderful. Cost? About 640. It's not cheap. The menopause Uller. I think I <laughs> think we should go for it, ladies. All right. Jennifer Sheehan, Home of the Year winner. And thank you so much for coming in to the Home Show again with all of your tech gadgets. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and that is all we have time for this week. And if you'd like to get involved in the show, uh, if you have a question or a topic you'd like to hear us cover or you'd like us to send Jennifer out shopping for, do let us know. Uh, you can drop us a text at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at any stage during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and they will all get read. So don't forget to check out the Home Show podcast, which is up now on the Newstalk website. Thanks to the production team today, Gareth Mulhall, Simon Keane and Stephen McClune on Sound. Up next, it's Anton Savage and he'll be talking to Nathan Carter as he prepares to play the London Palladium tonight. So stay with us here on Newstalk. Have a great weekend and remember we're at the earlier time of 8 o'clock.